I'm Carol Murphy, your host, and this is Heartstock Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Today, our guest is Fran Dunaway. She is the co-founder and president at Tomboy X. In just a moment, Fran will be with us and tell us all about Tomboy X and what it is that she does there. In the meantime, remember also that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We're always interested in hearing your comments. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, we'd love to hear from you. In just a moment, we will be back with Fran. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Today, our guest is Fran Dunaway, and she is with Tomboy X, and she's done a lot of different things, as many of our guests here on Heartstock have, and uh, Fran is no exception. Hi, Fran. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you. We were just chatting a little earlier. You're in the Seattle area, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. And we're kind of having the same windstorm. So it's a little noisy, <laughs> but <laughs> but exciting and fun. And um, tell us, Fran, just a little intro for our listeners. What is Tomboy X and what do you do there? Great. Yeah, we are an apparel company that is uh, gender neutral, and we focus on fit, quality, and comfort. And we carry all of our styles in triple extra small through 6X. We have uh, sleepwear, underwear, loungewear, swimwear, and activewear. And before you founded Tomboy X, tell us a little bit about your journey and just what led to you founding this company. Well, I like to joke that we started an underwear company because I wanted a cool button-up shirt, but it's actually the truth. Uh, I was frustrated by the lack of button-up shirt options that there were for women. The men's wear had really fine quality fabrics as well as fun personality details around the collar and the cuffs and whatnot. And so that's how we started. And we picked the name Tomboy because it was a cute name. And my wife and I started the company and, uh, and we and we both identified with the name. So we picked the name, we bootstrapped the making of these shirts. And then once we had a prototype, we launched a Kickstarter campaign to, in order to pay for them. And it was about a week into the Kickstarter campaign that we realized that our name was really resonating in a very powerful way so that we had instant brand recognition. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was kind of an interesting uh, journey for us. And what did you do prior? I mean, do you feel like your previous professional life equipped you for this, for founding this company? Did you have, um, <laughs> did you have training in, in fashion or design? Oh, heavens no. Both Naomi and I have always been very purpose-driven in our careers. And she was a sports massage therapist for Olympic-level athletes. And I was uh, producing political ads nationwide. And so I was not at all, I, I didn't, neither of us knew a nip from a woven, much less a P&L from a balance sheet. <laughs> and we, we were perfectly happy with our jobs. We weren't looking for 
a new a career change or anything like that. We really were just trying to solve a need that, that we had going to be our little project in our one car garage at the time. And it just kind of took off. And, you know, when, when you jump into entrepreneurism, it's kind of a risky endeavor. It's, it's a, a scary jump to make. And we were perfectly happy with our paychecks and benefits and perks and vacations and all of that. And once we decided to go full bore into this new company, we didn't take a vacation for six years. So it was a lot of work, but it's been really rewarding. So how did you go from the button-up shirt to loungewear? Um, everybody kind of has professional and entrepreneurial pivots. How how did yours yes. happen? Yeah, that's a great question. And really, our customers told us because we had instant brand recognition, there was a, a certain customer base that was really attracted to the brand. And so they started really hammering on us. Hey, you guys should make the first boxer briefs for women. And we didn't realize that that wasn't being done. And so I went into Nordstrom.com and typed in boxer briefs for women and up came a pair of Spanx and that was it. And <laughs> so we were pretty sure, <laughs> pretty sure that wasn't what our customer was looking for. And uh, what I love is that uh, Tom, uh, Nordstrom now carries our line. So mm. it's, it's come full circle. So once you realized this was what you were going to do, did you quit your day jobs? And how did you transition? I know you mentioned, I mean, there's so many questions around funding and building a team. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, funding was a very big challenge for us. We didn't pay ourselves for the first three and a half years. And so we continued to do freelance work as well as Naomi would see some massage clients in the mornings and then we'd go to work and then she'd come back in the evenings and see some just to try and make ends meet. So it was it was pretty harrowing for a while. We did all of the crazy entrepreneurial things of maxing out credit cards and and uh, going into debt. So um, it was just a labor of love and took a lot of risk. But uh, we ended up raising uh, various rounds of funding from outside investors. And that really changes the trajectory of the business. But because we had the growth to show we were a growing concern, we were able to attract outside investment dollars. But it did take a long time because we we faced a lot of questions uh, and sitting around those tables of investors, especially at the time where the guys would at, look at us and say, well, what's wrong with Victoria's Secret? And so uh, they <laughs> did. Did they did they get it? Was it hard I, uh, to explain? No, they didn't. I I would I would love to go back to those same gentlemen today and say, do you get it yet? But no, especially in our our first couple of rounds of funding, it was primarily women who understood that what we were doing and understood the need for comfortable underwear. So they were the ones to write the checks in the early stages. In fact, in our seed round, 95% of the checks were written from uh, by women. So pretty exciting. Very exciting. Well, I got a little ahead of myself here. I wanted to talk more about your upbringing. You know, you're clearly a driven professional woman. And I'm just wondering, were there early influences in life that kind of imprinted that on you? Or do you think you just kind of popped out of the womb like that? 
Well, I've often said I popped out of the womb bossy, that's for sure. Uh, that that leadership skills, and I would often orchestrate the entire neighborhood and put on performances in, in our garage. So yeah, I've, I've always been good at delegating and kind of having big ideas and getting people to get behind them as wacky as they could be at times. I'm also an army brat, so we traveled around a lot. I had to adapt to a lot of different situations. But by the time I graduated from high school, we lived in 13 different homes. So there was a lot of uncertainty and change, which I think is something good. But I also think it taught me curiosity. And I think curiosity is one of the most critical components for a successful entrepreneur. Mm. How about college? Where did you get your training as far as media and commercial production? Where did you go to school? Well, I I got my master's. I went undergrad through my master's at the University of Missouri in Columbia, got my master's from there, and then moved to the Northwest. And I opened the first medically fragile group homes for the state. And so I started out as an administrator. By the time I was early 30s, I was executive director, went on vacation one time and decided on the way back that I wanted to sell everything and go back to school and go to film school. So I did. I sold everything and uh, went to film school and up in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is a very good hands-on program, which is the way I learned best and decided that I wanted to be a producer. Everyone else uh, of the 25 students of the class, 24 of the 25 wanted to be directors. I wanted to be a producer because I wanted the top job. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led me into how I got into the politics and I ended up working seasonally for a company that turned into a full-time job that turned into a partner. I was a partner in the firm. Yeah. And then started this crazy, crazy business at the ripe old age of 52. Mm. So I just uh, like to go for things. I like to lean into life and, and I'm comfortable with risk. Well, that certainly comes in handy as well. It's all a crapshoot, right? <laughs> at what point did indeed you, yeah at, at what point did you see the light at the end of the tunnel that made you think ah this is going to work oh for us because we were both very purpose driven we felt a kind of responsibility to launch a company that was inclusive that showed all body types that featured all body types of all shapes and sizes we carry all of our styles from the triple extra small to the six x in the same price because we don't want to subtly shame people based on their body size and so we were really ahead of the curve and part of the zeitgeist of what was changing and what was happening we we showed a lot of unconventionally beautiful models and we didn't touch them up we just really show people for who they are. And and I think what we did most effectively was to kind of flip the whole notion of being a brand that wanted to tell you how to be cool, but instead we wanted to reflect back to you how cool we think you are. And so for us, it really was about that feeling comfortable in your own skin and doing that from the attention to detail and the quality of which the product that we make. And, and we hear from customers every single day who are so grateful and thank us for doing what we're doing. And so that kept us going, kept the drive there, and is really why we're here. And I'm just wondering how comfortable you feel talking about your relationship with Naomi and how, you know, being quote unquote different kind of formed your ideas about how to approach this business 
No, I think that's right. I think because we are part of the LGBTQ community that we were able to know what it's like to not be seen and not be heard. And so we wanted to be the brand that wasn't that. And honestly, I couldn't have done it without her and, and she couldn't have done it without me. And so it was good that we were in this together because it became our entire life for so long that we were just immersed in it. We lived and breathed it for so long as we fought and, and worked hard. I mean, we worked so hard to make it a reality. And that came from believing in not only us, but our customers and the importance of, of uh, that recognition and representation in fashion. We're going to take our uh, little midway point break here. And we have so many more questions and things to learn about Tomboy X. We'll be right back in just a moment. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today we're speaking with Fran Dunaway, and she is the president and co-founder of Tomboy X. And we talked a little bit, Fran, about raising money, and it's a challenge (laughs) for all entrepreneurs. I mean, this is kind of the ongoing time and money, the things that we seem to have not enough of ever as an entrepreneur. How long between the launch of your company and becoming a B Corporation? And I have a lot of questions around B Corporation, but we'll we'll just start there because that in and of itself is not an easy task. It's it's pretty time consuming and labor intensive. Absolutely. And we started the company in we launched our Kickstarter in 2013. And we didn't get our first round of funding from angel investors until August of 2015. And then we closed the Series A round in 2018. And then in 2019, we closed a B round. And so really until we closed that B round, oh, and I wanted to add that only 2% of institutional funding goes to female entrepreneurs and even less to the, you know, it's a fraction of a percent to the LGBTQ community. So, so we had some pretty big odds against us. However, we were able to get that final series B round of funding. And that really was a game changer for us. We were able to hire level up in the hiring of our team, whereas previously we had, we had a team of generalists who could do multiple things and we're always ready to kind of chuck and jive and get whatever needed to be done. And now we're, we're moving out of startup phase and we're an actual corporation. And so we need a bunch of specialists. And so that, that was an important part. And so last September, we promoted our COO to CEO And so that's when I became president and that freed up some time. Uh, Well, the previous year we had hired the COO to take over Naomi's role as COO. So she had freed up some time and she was able to spearhead and work for the year getting us B Corp certified. An easier process than most because from the beginning we were 
focused on sustainability and making sure that factory workers were taken care of, making sure that our employees had health insurance. And and so we had a, a long track record of those values that were imbued in the brand. So it really wasn't as heavy lift. We didn't have to do a lot of changes in order to get the high score that we did get, but it did take about a year. Uh, they were pretty backed up and it's it's a really proud moment for us. We're, we're very excited to have that B Corp, that extra outside certification that proves our commitment to community and sustainability and, and uh, our continued efforts to do so. And you said you scored fairly highly. I don't recall what the, the high sco- highest score is, but can you kind of help us understand what your score is and what exactly does that mean as a certified B Corp? Sure. It uh, really is just that outside validation. And so, for example, one of the best scores is is uh, Patagonia, and I, I believe they're in over 120. We ended up at 94, which is higher than some of our predecessors that, that have been in, around longer. And so uh, we're, we're very proud of that, that number and that score. And it just means that we have the processes, the systems in place to ensure our continued commitment to taking care of the planet and taking care of people and our give back to the community and our commitment to diversity and all of the things that have been important to us from the very beginning. Would you like to give a shout out to any of your partners? You mentioned Naomi. Maybe you could talk a little bit about her and what it's like working as a couple in a startup. Sure. They just, we were just in an Inc. Magazine article about couples working together, and that was a lot of fun. They came and did a photo shoot. But uh, Naomi is a second generation Cuban American who grew up in New York City. And from the age of five, wanted to become a massage therapist for Olympic athletes. She thought it would be swimming and it turns out it was soccer. So she was in Athens with the women's soccer team when they won gold in 2004. So she's very scrappy and, and, uh, and, and detail oriented, likes to just get in and grind and get things done. Whereas I'm much more of a bigger picture thinker. I can do the details, but I'd rather not. And so it was a good combination. We, we were complementary skill set. And I often said that I had two jobs for the first four years. And that was one not to run out of money. And the other was not to screw it up. And uh, Naomi did everything else. So she was kind of back of the house doing all of the shipping and customer service and Oh, just all of the things that it required to to keep us afloat. And, you know, I think that there are two critical things that have made it work for us. One is a, a, term, a great sense of humor. We, we laugh every single day. And the second is to have a very short-term memory. So we don't remember and we, we don't hold on to anything. There's no kitchen sink. I think the quote I used in Inc. Magazine was, you know, we can, we can get, hit a hot spot for a second and then it's past the salt, please, and moving on. So those are the things that really make it work for us. And any other partners you'd like to mention? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is you're in Nordstrom's. Did you have somebody that was helping you get into big names? Well, that's our only department store. We are Mm -hmm. 90, yeah, retail. We're we're 99% direct to consumer. We like Mm -hmm. that relationship with the customer. 
And so I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, I know that we had ongoing conversations, but I, I believe they came to us and asked if, if we had any interest. And we first launched in their online and then the pandemic hit. They wanted to get us in stores and that hasn't happened yet, but we're still working on that. And uh, we've, we've really enjoyed that relationship. And I think that more than anything, just the community support that we got, the building of the company and, and the partnerships we've, we've done. But also, I, I think it's good for people to understand the importance of having good mentors and finding people that can help you along your journey and that can spoon feed you what you need next as opposed to overwhelming you with all of the things that need to get done, but really to, to help you stay focused on the three most urgent things and the three most important things and everything else doesn't really matter. I think that that's just something that, that has been really helpful for us. And who were your mentors? Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about who was, who was supporting you? Yeah, there's this wonderful woman named Deborah Benton, and she now has a Willow Growth Fund and is investing in lots of amazing direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies. And she was just this uh, always positive, upbeat, and raring to go and give good advice. We had another guy locally who helped Naomi a lot. In fact, he physically came and helped us move our warehouse several times and his name is david little and he and his wife uh, built and sold a company locally called chasing fireflies which was children's clothing and costumes so he really knew operations in the back end of things and so he was just a, a tremendous help for us and in all along the journey and, and we consider both of them dear friends to this day mm-hmm Let's talk about your customers. Mm-hmm. It's all about the customers. It's very clear that you're you're something very special to them and they are something very special to you, to you and your company. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to ask this question, but obviously you're filling a niche when Spanx came up, when you went into Nordstrom's. It just strikes me as, as pretty profound that... Nobody has ever thought of doing this before because, you know, you know, women are going to the men's department to buy things that are comfortable or, you know, it's just, can you talk a little bit about that yeah. relationship and how, how that has impacted your company? Sure. Well, initially, when we first launched two different lengths of boxer briefs made for women's bodies and... That was uh, that was a novelty item at the time, and a lot of women were borrowing their boyfriends or their husbands' boxer briefs and loved them and sleeping in them. And and then we had customers like police officers and firefighters that needed them because it's just more comfortable when you're chasing a perp into the woods. For example, I I remember getting a, a review from a customer that that used that phrase, and uh, <laughs> and then and 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 you know when you're changing clothes and uniforms to get into a firefighting uniform. It's it's a you know box of brief brief is just a lot more comfortable. Um, so that was an important thing, and then also especially in the plus size community or or women that were wearing dresses, uh, a longer boxer brief is great for chafing or prevents chafing when you're walking a lot. And so there were just a, a whole lot of uh, different solutions there, and we were fortunate in that uh, one of our our first employee, Julie Nomi, 
came on board and she was the one who had 30 years of production and sourcing experience. And she is a stickler for detail. And so she worked with real people and real bodies to, to get the patterns right and to get the fit right. And it turns out we're really good at making really comfortable underwear thanks to her efforts. Mm. And so we currently carry everything from a thong to a nine-inch boxer brief in, in just the underwear. And our bra categories continue to expand. We just launched a, an activewear sports bra. And it's everyone in the team on the team is just raving about it's the most comfortable sports bra they've ever put on. And so it's all about the fabrics. It's all about the attention to detail, the pattern, the way that the, the product is constructed, the way it fits with the body. And, and we don't just grade from a zero or a two all the way up to our 6X. We actually, in fact, we used to just go to 4X. And when we extended into 6X, we put together a focus group of 6X customers to find out what their needs were. And it turns out they needed a, a larger waistband. So it's a completely different product than what our triple extra small is, but mm. we offer it for the same price and it's the the fit and the quality is, is what is unparalleled that speaks to people in a, in a very big way. Mm. And we've got maybe a, a couple minutes left. I was hoping you could kind of give us a little teaser as far as what does the future hold for you and your company? And then of course, how might folks find you? Sure. Well, we just want to keep growing and, and get awareness out. So we're thrilled to to be part of this program. It's my job at, at being uh, no longer the CEO. I've got to get out and tell the story and, and uh, connect with people and tell them what we're doing and why. So the awareness. So please tell your friends, try us out, go to tomboyx.com and and try out anything you want and let us hear from you or any way of uh, connecting. We, we love to hear from customers and we get all of our best ideas from customers. So we would we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And is there a web address or an email or something like that that we might share with our listeners? Yeah, you can uh, tomboyx.com or we are just info at tomboyx.com that I get those and a number of other people do. So depending on the question, uh, we'll figure out who to answer. And then we're on all the social channels. We just launched a new kick, our TikTok and our Instagram is uh, easy to find us at TomboyX. And yeah, we just are, are always uh, trying to communicate via Facebook and LinkedIn. So a lot of different places. Uh, just Google TomboyX and, and you'll find us somewhere. Hmm. That's fantastic. And we've just kind of, experienced a, a snowstorm in the midst of our interview here. It's it's coming <laughs> come and gone. <laughs> oh no, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Spring in Montana. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on Heartstock and, and taking time out to share your story with us, Fran. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Montana has a very warm place in my heart, so I, I love doing it. Thank you for having me, Carol. Oh, and come back soon. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye this, now. Bye-bye. This is Heartstock, and as usual, we'll be back next week. Until then, peace. That ribbon Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. 
Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Passing, but on the other side.